Hey, this is Coach Cimarroni for Blood Time. Um, we want to uh, really thank the people at Anchor and encourage you if you are starting your own podcast or currently using uh, another platform in your podcast to uh, try Anchor. Anchor is a terrific platform. We're very, very pleased with their performance and their technology as well as uh, their support. So uh, give it a try. Anchor is a great, great uh, technology and platform, and we're pleased that uh, they are uh, one of our great uh, partners at Blood Time. Thanks for listening, and uh, continue to support us as we will support you with great stories. Thank you. Welcome back to another episode of the Blood Time Podcast. My name is Maverick Peters, and I'm the producer here on the show. In this episode, Coach Cimarroni opens up about some of his own Blood Time moments, both as an athlete and as a coach. Coach Cimarroni also discusses why he began coaching, how he's maintaining composure during the pandemic, and some of his favorite moments in the podcast until now. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Blood Time Podcast. So what's special about the number 52? It's, uh, it's, it's 413s, I believe. <laughs> but really, the reason for 52 is I had an affinity for the number 51 because of Dick Butkus. He was my hero playing football, and I loved the game of football. But at 5'7", you know, 152 pounds soaking wet back in high school, I knew that uh, I didn't have much future after high school. And 51 was, we couldn't find 51. Somebody had stolen 51. So the only number that was left as a center was 52. And I thought that was a pretty cool number. So I took that, and that was my number for four years in high school. 52. And I just, I don't know, I just fell in love with the number. And so I figured that my special or my way of thought process, my philosophy, who I was and why I'm doing blood time had to be in episode 52. So what is blood time? Blood time is that transformative moment and that bond between the athlete and the coach. And what does that athlete do with it in the real world? Because most times, 99% of the times, you don't sniff a nickel or a position in your, cho- your chosen sport. But boy, oh boy, those lessons learned from the coach, from the room, from your peers, from, your, from the, the athletes that you, that you grow up with, those lessons reverberate throughout your life in your chosen field of, um, of endeavor. And I can tell you the stories that we have uncovered and, the, and my ability to be, and my honor to be, and my, my, my pleasure to be the conduit to those stories are truly remarkable and transformative. But also, too, what I'm finding out is it's also transformed the coach as well. And in that, they have become the student of their student. So the teacher becomes a student, and there's such brilliance to that and such elegance and, and true love. My favorite moment of all the blood time was in episode eight when I interviewed Michael Goldberg. And I, I revealed to him and I think to everybody why I coach. It was because of Michael. And he made me realize that I can affect someone besides myself. You know, and when you're a kid and, and a young adult, you're pretty myopic and self-centered. And he made me think of humanity at large and how I could affect people in a positive way. And his success in part came, became my success. And what he's doing in the world, I'm so incredibly proud of. And if I could have been just a little piece of that. And my other blood time moment 
I went to talk to Coach I, Coach I Marino, as a fat, chubby little freshman. And I said, I want to try this sport. He goes, you can't try it, dude. You got to get involved with it. You got to really commit to it. And if you do it, you'll be, you'll be pleased. And I always wanted to please Coach I. I always wanted to impress him because he was my wrestling father. And of course, I wanted to, to, to be, uh, I wanted my father to be proud of me. But I wanted Coach I to be proud of me. And to this day, I do things always with that in mind. Am I making Coach I proud? Am I making my parents proud? And so with that, that is truly my blood tie moment as to why we're doing what we're doing here. Interesting. What, what have we lost in society? What we need to get back? Old school uh, and what blood time hopefully can be a, um, a touch point for that, a place where people can go to, to reinvigorate themselves into old school foundation. Really what we have lost is accountability and the ability to truly be honest with ourselves, not victimization, not blaming. And our sport without question, 100%. My old assistant coach, Jake Goodwin, says we are the honest sport. There is nowhere to hide. And I love that about this. And I love this about blood time is that there's nowhere to hide. If you're truly accountable for your own life, your own actions, and strive to be your best, it is hard to have the nonsense that we have in our society today. The inability to take responsibility for your actions, the dual relationship that you have with responsibility. You know, there's these uh, double standards, if you will. It doesn't happen in blood time. That doesn't happen in, in the sport of wrestling. And that's really the elegance, the beauty of this, uh, of this mentality. What is that takeaway from the coach and athlete bond is again, the accountability and responsibility for your own actions and for your own success or failures. Because I, I told my children growing up and I tell my athletes and I tell the people that I'm involved with in business that you get what you deserve, good, bad, or indifferent. You are the only reason for your life. You're living your life. You are creating your life. And if bad consequences happen, if good consequences happen, it's because of what you, what you created and what you are doing with your responsibility and your accountability. It's really interesting the difference uh, between coaching today in today's culture and society and coaching back in the day, if you will. When I first started out, coaching was still, and, and society was still steeped in militaristic uh, hierarchy of responsibility and authority. And so the coach was this autocratic, his word was, or her word was, gospel, if you will. And there was no, there was no argument. There was no discussion. There was just, you do what the coaches said. And it was really at, at times, it was a lot of punishment, a lot of negativity uh, for behavior that was not of excellence. There was a feeling that of fear. So a lot of it came out of fear and, and doing things so that you didn't get that discipline, that you could avoid that discipline. I mean, case in point, I, I went to high school when there was still corporal punishment, when people still got swatted. So how we've evolved is that now we honor positivity and including everybody in a decision-making process. And I see this in my coaching where I involve the actual wrestlers in teaching the move. So a lot of times I'll have them show the move and then I'll walk them through it 
so that they have a, a sense of authority or a sense of inclusion or a sense of camaraderie as opposed to uh, autocratic or dictatorial situations that occurred before. But there were still the coaches back in those days that were like that, but were literally beloved. Vince Lombardi, uh, even Bobby Knight, some of Dan Gable that had that mentality and people would literally die for these coaches. And you have that today too. I mean, you have Phil Jackson's and some of these Cale uh, uh, Sanderson's that engender joy. That's really the transition. The new way of coaching is really through joy, through love, through education, validation, as opposed to intimidation and fear. But you can still have discipline in this. And I think people still want to be told that there are boundaries. And that's really where a good coach has to see that melding of all of those positive things within the sense of discipline. And ultimately, our duty as coaches are to coach great human beings because athletics are a part of being a great human being. It doesn't matter if I have a successful wrestler per se. I want a successful human being. Now, I want successful wrestlers, but it's so far, it's so much easier to have successful wrestlers, successful athletes if the underpinnings, the foundations of those athletes are that they're great human beings. They'll have the work ethic. They'll have the dedication. They'll have the loyalty. They'll have the stick-to-itiveness. They'll have the ability to go out and search and research their chosen sport to become that ongoing and continual student of the game. That's really the difference today between coaches in this era and in last era. And then you put on top of it COVID. And your empathy factor better be explosive to the nth degree right now. Because if you don't understand what others are going through right now, then you're not, you're not truly being a coach. And I've really had to up my game. That, And I'll tell you what, it was a tough year. It hit me physically. I got COVID. Then I got diverticulitis. And I was 129 pounds two weeks ago because of the stress physically and mentally of going through this season. But I was, I was, I was joyful in it because it taught me and ex- exposed my ability to be that empathetic individual and to really truly understand humanity at a, at a, at a more deeper level because of this extremely challenging year of the virus. So, so COVID has really um, thrown us a lot of curveballs, and you know, an example of that: the young men and women that are involved in our, our athletics are having to be secluded, and they're having to be cloistered into a situation where they're they're feeling isolated, and there's depression that occurs there. So, there's a concentration issue that we see lacking to some degree because they are so. Um, isolated and that they have to take classes online. They don't have that camaraderie. They don't have that interaction. They don't have the socialization. So what I have found this year is things that have really never hit us before. And so an example of positive coaching just recently occurred where I had an athlete that made the district tournament and he's a great kid. He's a freshman, comes from a great family. Uh, His his older brother wrestles for us. His father was a, a great wrestler for another high school. He had never, problem, never, never a problem making weight. 
And he came to the district tournament, and he was a tenth of a pound under, and he stepped on the scale. He didn't make weight. He was two-tenths of a pound over, and there was no option. He was eliminated from the tournament. It's the first time as a coach that it had ever happened to me, and clearly, obviously, first time that it ever happened to him, even though he was only a freshman. He'd always made weight as a seventh and eighth grader and as a freshman, but at the biggest stage of his career, and he was devastated. And I, 30 years ago, would have been in his face. I would have just tore him up. And this year, at this age, in this generation, I looked at him with his head in his hand, tears running down his face, and I just put my arm around him, and I said, it's a lesson learned, but let's find let's find the nugget. Let's find where we can do better next time. And we're not going to have this happen again, right? And he looked at me with his tears in his eyes and he said, no, coach, we're not. And I said, this is a lesson learned. So I walked him out. I saw his dad. I saw, I saw the disappointment on his father's face. And I gave that kid a big hug. And I said, I love you, man. Go talk to your dad. When he got in his car, I called his dad the next day and he goes, coach, we're all on the same page. It's a lesson learned. It'll never happen again. And so that I think is the best example I could get of of how to lead with love, how to less, how to coach with empathy in this really <laughs> fascinating year. It's been a very difficult time, but it really evolved me. And um, I have a lot of love for his, his father and for him. And that's really where rubber met the road for me. Defense Soup at DefenseSoup.com in the midst of our current health crisis, we at Blood Time want to thank Guy and Gus Seiko and the team at Defense Soap as a beacon of our protection. Body wipes, skin cleansers, bars of soap, shower gels, and disinfectant tablets. All this and more as Defense Soap is on the front line of our protection. Thanks to the Seiko family and their team at Defense Soap. Check them out for all your protection needs during these precarious times. Defense Soap at DefenseSoap.com I want to thank Serve Pro of Beachwood, our newest sponsor, and Jack Coslin, the owner. They serve all of Northeast Ohio, not just Beachwood. They specialize in disaster cleanup that leaves your home or office like new, like it never happened. Flood and water damage, fire, mold, and they say even blood and guts. Not just any Serve Pro. Seek out Serve Pro of Beachwood. That's Serve Pro Beachwood, Shaker Heights, Cleveland Heights.com, 216 416- Four six four 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 nine eight. Operated by a former All-State wrestler from Beachwood, we love Serve Pro of Beachwood. Well, what got me into coaching was I really loved athletics. I lettered in four sports in high school, and I loved the sport of wrestling because it was so honest and so challenging. And I was not really a great wrestler. And I wrestled in college my freshman year and blew out my knee. And I really had no option to continue wrestling. I just, I just physically wasn't able to do it. So I thought, well, let me go try and help out my old high school. I went back to John Carroll University, which is about a mile and a half, two miles from my old high school, Beachwood. And Coach I, you know, brought me in with open arms. And I, I helped our returning state champ, Ricky Sorkin, 
who had had a pretty devastating knee injury. And I drilled with him every day to get him ready. And he took second in the state basically on one leg. And I, and I know that I helped him. And I thought, man, I, I can affect people here. And so the very next year I asked to be uh, officially on staff as the head assistant coach. And Coach I brought me on with open arms. With that, I helped, you know, guys like uh, Stu Smiley, who had never made the state tournament, and he had always lost at the blood round. He had always lost to this guy for two years as a sophomore and a junior to this guy. And I just recognized he shouldn't be losing to this guy. And so every day after practice, and he was a grumpy guy because he didn't want to be 119 pounds. He had trouble making He was skinny. And so he had to run after every practice just to keep his weight down. And I ran with him every day five miles every day after practice. And I talked to him. I said, dude, we are making the state tournament. And he made the state tournament. He beat that kid in the blood round. He took third at the district, goes down to the state tournament, loses the first match and comes back and wins four matches and takes third at the state tournament. And I said, man, this is cool. <laughs> this is really something. And then, of course, we had the Goldberg situation where I was able to wrestle with him and, you know, take him from a 3-10 and 10 sophomore to a 25-9 and nine junior, fifth in the state, then second in the state as a, as a senior. And then I went into college, and I had the opportunity to, to, to be that same personal coach, if you will, with Nick D'Angelo. And I was able, my very first year as a, a college coach, to coach him to the national title with the Hall of Fame coach, Tony DiCarlo, sitting there. And I'm, I'm sitting in the seat in the national stage. And I said, man, this is exciting. And so I knew that I could affect people. But more importantly, they helped me affect myself and be better. And I knew that I could be a much better coach than I ever was an athlete. And so I said, this is something that I have to do. And I've been doing it pretty much in some form or fashion since 1978. You know, coronavirus, it's interesting how it, it, we look at it uh, from different disciplines and different perspectives and how things were happened, how things uh, were handled. You know, looking to our sport and the knee-jerk reaction to cancel the state tournament really, in hindsight, is, it was just really something that should not have been done. And of course, the national tournaments as well. So you, you lost this entire generation of potential champions and some, you know, people that will never get the opportunity again. But more globally, when I look at the decisions made about how the globe, how the uh, coronavirus was handled both uh, nationally and globally, I think one of the biggest mistakes that was made, uh, that were made, um, <laughs> better grammar there, <laughs> uh, that were made there, was that the decisions were made uh, rather myopically, and I think this was a decision that should have been made with many seats at the table. And I analogize it to if a foreign uh, uh, species, an alien culture came down from a different planet and, and had made first contact with our world, the scientists wouldn't be the only persons consulted to make a decision on how to approach them, whether they were benign, aggressive, or violent. We would have brought the historian, the futurist, the economist, the professor, the scientist, as well, of course, the theologian, the, 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 the philosopher, the psychiatrist, the psychologist, all of these disciplines should have been consulted in a consortium and a, and a joint decision-making process 
should have been employed from day one. This was first contact of a foreign species that we had never dealt with before. And the situation that occurred and the, the, the after effects and the, the, the side effects, if you will, that came from the shutdown and from listening only to, you know, 90% only listening to scientists was devastating and still devastating to small businesses, to children, to families, opioids being rampant, suicide, depression, uh, lack of education, lack of business being conducted on, on a level that makes sense. And the decisions that were made to cancel people out because they had a differencing of opinion that really should have been listened to. I mean, you're looking right now and it's being affected right now with governors in states that, uh, you know, were praised during it and really were, should be vilified now. And so when you look at that, if, if we would have brought the historian to the table and the futurist to the table to see what would happen based on some of these decisions, you know, we do projections in business all the time. We do projections in, in sport all the time. Why weren't we having projections being done? Why weren't we having the story and saying this would happen? We never, you know, when we shut down, did we ever shut down healthy society completely? You know, it, it never happened. So, so if we would have taken a, a much more holistic global approach to this thing, I think we would have had a much better outcome. And while certain things that were really smart may not have came from the voice that the culture wanted to hear, really did us a disservice and still does us a disservice because we need to listen to the truth, the genuine truth, whatever voice it came from and really dissect it and really validate it and vet it. Because my generation came back, you never said things in the media unless it was triple checked. You never put things in a thesis unless it was footnoted and checked over and over again. Today, it's just spewed out there like vitriol, like atom bombs being thrown, flamethrowers being bombed for no reason, no reason. And it really is, is, is insulting to our collective intelligence and our collective social, mental, and physical health as a society. We got to get back to that. We got to get back to those things that are foundational in truth. And I really think that that's where we've missed the boat. Ultimately, when we look back, I think masks were the right thing to do and the right thing to wear, whether you liked it or not, for the simple fact that it gave not only some minimal protection and, and to some degree, some maybe some more than minimal protection physically, but it gave a sense of mental well-being. And um, that mental well-being of safety, you know, it, it, whether it was true or not, you know, our perception, our feelings are sometimes as, it, as actually important to our, our well-being as fact. And so I think the mask mandates for a period of time had some real uh, profound effects positively. I think that they should absolutely 100% be temporary. <laughs> we need to get masks off of us as soon as we possibly can and get back to hugging each other and high-fiving each other and, and 
you know, and just being humans because there's no way you can get the same effect from an in-person meeting than you do on a Zoom or a phone call. The in-person meeting, the vibe, personality, connection, and transference, transference, and the body language, and the eye contact, that is irreplaceable. That is part of our DNA, and we need to get back to that because that is healthy in schools, in the community, in sports, in business, in politics, in the civic arena, all of it, we need to get back to that religion. We need to get back to, to, to just celebrating entertainment, to, to concerts, to comedy clubs. We need to get back to that and really continue to experience humanity at its fullest form. Hey guys, I want to thank Affinity Whole Health and the owner, Brian Zide. He uh, started this company to get you feeling like you were in your prime. You can reach this company at feelgreatcleveland.com, founded obviously by a former wrestler athlete and his partner, who's also a former wrestler and athlete. The whole goal for this is to get you feeling like you're in in your prime, but also uh, helps you with muscle definition and strength, increased libido, increased energy and drive, increased mental acuity, obviously increases your confidence if you get all those, and increases recovery time from workouts. If uh, if you like all those things and you want all those things, check them out at feelgreatcleveland.com. Thank you again, Brian Zide and Affinity Whole Health. This is Coach Cimarroni for Next Level Continuing Education. Next Level brings unique education to real estate professionals and real estate investors on how to get money effectively and efficiently into real estate investments. Next Level Continuing Education has ditched the traditional continuing education platform. Gone are the days of listening to boring content in a stuffy classroom setting. Come jump on a Zoom call whenever you find it comfortable and learn how to expand your real estate portfolio. Next Level CE brings unique content across Ohio and the Midwest to teach real estate investors how to become their own bank using the infinite banking concept to acquire more properties quickly. Call Ryan M. Miller, the CE Specialist, at 330-933-8231 or click on the link in our show notes. That's Ryan M. Miller, CE Specialist, 330-933-8231 or our show notes. The link is where you go. Thank you. You know, moving forward, getting out of the virus, and getting back to return of some semblance of normal. I think we really need to pay attention to some of the things that really worked for us to stave off, you know, place things like the flu moving forward. You know, coronavirus is probably going to be part of our DNA for the foreseeable future. So there are times when we need to pay attention to that. And I think the flu season was like the lightest flu season we've had in recorded history because of the things we've put in, been put in place. But we need to marry that with humanity, with who we really are, and as a social creature. So I think that moving forward, we have to find a great balance between those two and get back to as close to pre-COVID normality as we can while still being prudent. And that's why I tell my athletes that, I tell everybody that, that, uh, that I counsel, use your intellect first and then bring your passion. 
So I'm saying the same thing with COVID. When we come out of this, use your intellect, use your prudence first, and then bring your humanity, bring your passion, bring your compassion, and let's get back together. You know, in in addressing today's current uh, culture, the sensitivity and the polarization of our culture, really, again, we can solve a lot of that if we truly have empathy and walk in the other person's shoes. If you truly knew how someone else was feeling, how they were, what they had gone through, what they are currently going through, your empathy cue, if you will, ratio would go through the roof. And there would be, it would be hard for you, unless you were a sociopath or a psychopath, to be anything but empathetic to that individual. But more importantly, too, we have to have accountability with that empathy. We have to take responsibility for our actions. And what I mean by that essentially is victimization, self-loathing has no place in a healthy society that's going to evolve to its next best level. And so what do we do with that? We need to truly have our, our, our neighbor, our brother, our sister's best interests at heart, as well as our own. And what does that come from? Come from? It comes from self-love. It comes from, from truly trying to understand the other person. But agendas, when we're trying and taking advantage of that understanding, really needs to be eradicated from our society. The nonsense of the use of tragedy for our benefit, the use of underprivileged for our benefit, the use of the underserved, the use of people that don't have power or access to power for our own benefit has got to stop. And this, this, this vein of taking something that was positive historically and making it negative now this revisionist history serves no one because we need to put everything in perspective. Of course, people from 1860 are not going to be as evolved as us today or as sensitive or as empathetic as we are today. But the brilliance of a Socrates cannot be denied. The brilliance of a Lincoln cannot be denied. The brilliance of a Lenin, John Lennon, cannot be denied. You know, I, I, I hearken back to John Lennon. He wrote a, a song called When You're Crippled Inside. Well, crippled is a word today that we don't use because it's insensitive. In his, in his time, that was the nomenclature. That was how you described it. There was nothing else to describe it. Should we denigrate that brilliant song that John Lennon wrote because he, that's the only word he could use because there was no other word to use? No, that's nonsense. That is nonsense. So we need to, to really stand up for what is, what is truly beautiful, what is truly full of love, and is truly give it that perspective. To wrap up this episode 52, my favorite number, I really, I, I cannot be more thankful, genuinely humbled by and truly present in my thanks for the incredible guests we have had and sharing their stories Uh, the moments of chills that I've gotten 
from some of these incredible and remarkable individuals goes beyond thanks and goes beyond words. And from uh, Coach I to, to, to Goldberg, to, to Michael Goldberg, to the Peters brothers, to my beautiful producer, Maverick Peters, to, you know, Kyvan Gatson, Carrie McCoy, Lee Kemp, Gabe Dean, uh, Mark Sullivan. I mean, I can go on and on and on uh, to, to the remarkable story of Double D, uh, Mac- Dave Mackey, uh, and how, how raw he was with us and, and genuine and beautiful. To uh, Officer Scott Safanovitz, uh, to Chad Bronstein, Brian Zide, Chad Silverstein, uh, Guy and Gus Seiko, f- just phenomenal human beings. I can go on and on and on. John Gramuglia, Clay Wenger, uh, you know, these individuals, the, the Milkoviches, these individuals mean the world to me. They are now able, they have now opened up the door to people to, to support us, sponsors, donors. Uh, now the Evergreen Podcasting Network. Uh, we're going to be on a platform now that's going to be so exciting to bring these stories to a larger audience. But more importantly, my core audience, I can't tell you how much I'm thankful for you that you have given us this support to be able to give us this platform to bring it to to the world at large. But keep sharing this. Keep sharing these moments, these episodes. Go to maverickpodcasting.com. Join, subscribe, see what he's doing as well, uh, Maverick Peters. And he's our guy for Blood Time. I can't tell you enough how much I'm thankful. This is Coach Cimarroni for Blood Time. Thank you for listening to episode 52. This is truly who I am and a labor of love. We are all blood. Love to all. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on.